Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from the early verses of the book of Jeremiah. In it, we hear God's call to Jeremiah, a very personal call, but one that holds a message for us today. Listen now to God's word. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I'm only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord. How many of you enjoy jigsaw puzzles? Raise your hand. I have many friends who enjoy them as well, but one friend in particular is constantly on the lookout for the most intricate, unique, and beautiful puzzles that she can find. The more pieces, the better. Once I asked her why puzzles fascinated her so much, She thought for a moment, and then she replied, I love to be part of the plan. I know that within the box lies a wonderful creation. To have the pleasure of putting together this jumbled mess of pieces into the beautiful picture on the cover is sheer delight. As I read the story of God's call to Jeremiah, I thought about the text, in terms of putting together a jigsaw puzzle. God's purposefulness captured me in the clear message of the words, I formed you, I knew you, I set you apart, I appointed you. Listen for similar words of God's activity in shaping us in the verses of Psalm 139 that Callie will sing later. It was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. The book of Jeremiah begins with his calling from God. We don't know precisely when Jeremiah's life, in Jeremiah's life, he became clear about his call. It could have been when he was a boy, or perhaps when he was a young man. But as he reflected on it and wrote about it as an older man, he saw with clarity God's movement in his life from the beginning. In these verses, we learn that God knows Jeremiah and has known Jeremiah 
since before there was a Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God says. We also know that God calls Jeremiah to a specific task, to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah isn't too sure about this part of the call. But despite his misgivings, God promises to give him whatever he needs to live into his calling. Do not be afraid of them, God says. I am with you to deliver you. Then God touches Jeremiah and puts the words in his mouth. Finally, we learn that when Jeremiah lives into his call, it will be good not only for him, but for all of God's people. Because these people at the time had lots of problems, both theologically and politically. The people of Israel were losing what little political power they had. Their leaders would very shortly be taken into captivity in a foreign land, a place where they didn't have a clue about how to worship God. They were tied to the worship of God in the temple in Jerusalem and needed someone to show them how to continue their devotion. They needed someone to show them how to live their calling as the people of God in drastically changing and frightening circumstances. It's easy to put Jeremiah up on a pedestal. He is, after all, a major prophet in the Old Testament, no matter how young he was when he began. Of course, Jeremiah does complain a lot. If we read the rest of the book, we hear Jeremiah complaining to God, to the people, to anyone who will listen. Jeremiah has complaining down to an art form. And we like that in Jeremiah because most of us can relate to complaining. What we may mostly have trouble relating to is Jeremiah's call to be a prophet to an entire nation. Certainly we haven't been called to be prophets to our nation. At least we don't think we have. And we have a hard time identifying those who speak for God in our day. Just what does Jeremiah's call have to do with us? To be formed, known, set apart, and appointed by God is a testament to God's love for and faith in Jeremiah and God's love and faith in each of us. Jeremiah's encounter reminds us that our Creator is not simply aware of our existence, but is actively involved in our development. And most importantly, God has a plan for each one of us. God calls each of us, no matter how young we are, for equally important and life-changing work, to be instruments of peace, justice, love, and compassion in a hurting and broken world. God calls us to be companions to the sick and the dying, to march for justice in the face of opposition and discrimination, and to model God's preference for the poor by encouraging a new generation of world changers.
if we respond as we respond to God's call, we become part of a grand plan where our jumbled pieces are transformed into the beautiful picture that God intends. This past week, we witnessed an amazing event. A 20-year-old man named Michael Hill, armed with an AK-47 style rifle and nearly 500 rounds of ammunition, entered the Ronald E. McNair Discovery Learning Academy in Decatur, Georgia, a school with more than 800 pre-kindergarten through fifth graders in the building. After engaging the police, he announced to Antoinette Tuff, the school clerk, who called 9-11 and then handled the situation in a most unusual way. She talked to the gunman. She asked him his name. She told him her own story, her struggles with raising a multiple disabled child and losing her husband. She acknowledged his hurt and frustration. She said that she loved him even when he believed that no one did. And she prayed for him. She reassured him by saying that he hadn't hurt anyone, hadn't harmed her, and could still surrender peacefully. We're not going to hate you, baby. It's a good thing that you're giving up, she said after Hill put his weapons and ammunition on the counter. Before he surrendered, Antoinette used the public address system that she'd used to send the school into lockdown to announce that he was sorry for what he'd done and didn't want to hurt anyone. She treated Michael Hill like a human being because she saw him as a human being. Have you ever known anyone who lived out God's words, Jesus' words, more fully? Her compassion prevented great harm, but there was nothing naive or foolish about her actions. She acknowledged that she was grounded in the Lord and in prayer, and she also said, I give it all to God. I'm not the hero. I was terrified. There is no simple or easy solution to protecting our children in the schools to which they return tomorrow and in the coming weeks. Or for that matter, in our homes or on the streets, in a society where guns are so readily available. Unfortunately, when positions are taken about gun violence, Christians are all too often either saying nothing, letting others handle it, or we allow ourselves to be lumped into conservative political positions espoused by the NRA and others which advocate guns for every teacher and in every school, along with other simplistic solutions. Jesus was crystal clear on the question of whether violence is an acceptable response to violence, on whether arming ourselves with fists or swords or guns is the way to protect ourselves from fists or swords or guns. Nonviolence. Loving your enemy is a centerpiece of Jesus' gospel. So in response to the event in Decatur, 
Will we allow more guns to be added to a society already staggering from gun violence? Or perhaps should we train our school personnel in compassionate and nonviolent communication and demand services for the mentally impaired? Will such training and services stop every determined shooter? Of course not. But we need to get involved and to insist on far better social policy on guns and not just leave it to others. Will you write letters to Congress encouraging them to ignore the influence of lobbyists in creating reasoned laws? Or perhaps will you join the group on Monday evenings from 5 to 6 p.m. seeking to encourage the owner of Real Cold Gun Store in Southeast which sells more guns used in crimes in D.C. and P.G. County, to sign a code of conduct to follow the laws and to resist illegal sales? And will you commit yourself personally to not returning violence with violence in your interaction with others? Think for a moment about what your commitment will be and offer it privately in a prayer to God right now. Amen. Each of us must be part of helping to create a different culture, one of kindness instead of meanness, one of love instead of brokenness. I heard it said this week, our nation doesn't need more guns. It needs more Antoinette Tufts. Antoinette chose not to meet violence with violence. And in her response, she lived God's call to speak to the nation about a different way of living together for peace, just as Martin Luther King did 50 years ago. She demonstrated a courage and a spiritual fortitude that came from knowing that God was with her. And she reminds us that we, too, are called and empowered to be part of God's plan to heal and transform the pieces of our hurting and broken world into God's promised kingdom. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>